0: Well, welcome to all of you in-house and online. We're so thankful that you're here. And what a week. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. You've probably noticed by now that every beatitude Jesus has given us is at odds with our world. He is truly trying to develop a new normal for all of us. Jesus says that a God dependent God dependent kingdom focused self-denial life is at odds with a self-reliant earth focused indulgent life. The issue is only one of those is blessed, a truly blessed life. The first beatitude, you could say the first 7 beatitudes explain the character of a blessed life. But this last one, it's as though Jesus is saying, okay, now this will be the confirmation of the character that I'm building in you. And this confirmation is something that the world avoids like the plague. So the eighth beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those whose commitment to God provokes persecution. (laughs) That, That is not the message in our modern world. Jesus never said, Look, you follow me, and I'll give you a great job and a great salary and a great bonus. He never said that. But he did say, God blesses those people who are treated badly for doing right. He did say that. There's this sharp conflict between Jesus' values and what our world thinks is important. And Jesus explained it. Look what he said. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is, You do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was the pastor at Westminster Abbey for years has a fantastic statement that fits. He, He had to have known Jesus. Look what he said about this. It tells us a great deal about our ideas concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If our conception of him is such that He can be admired and applauded by the non-Christian. We've got the wrong view of him. The effect of Jesus Christ upon his contemporaries was that many threw stone at him. They hated him. And finally, choosing a murderer instead of him, they put him to death. This is the effect Jesus Christ always has upon the world. But you see, there are no other ideas about him. There are worldly people who tell us that they admire Jesus, but that is because they've never seen him. If they saw him, they would hate him as his contemporaries did. You see, some people back then, just like people today, choose not to follow Jesus because of the blowback they're going to get from the world. And so you say, well... Well where am I in all that? Well is it your attempt to escape the persecution that can come from the world? You know that can be done. Oh yeah, I mean, you 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 can you can avoid a lot of the persecution that will come from the world. All you need to do is approve of the world's values and accept the world's morals and never define sin and don't talk about Christ's return or the coming judgment, persecution from the world will be greatly diminished if you just refuse to stand with Christ. If we don't live and talk like he's the way, the truth, and the life, then the world, the world will pretty much leave us alone. And we're left with this sobering statement from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When a man encounters Jesus, he will do one of two things. Either he must die, or he must put Christ to death. Things suddenly got very serious in this room, didn't they? Look, here's the thing persecution reveals what's inside of me. And if my Christianity is just to please my parents or my friends, or it's just to, you know, keep up appearances, if it's just If it's just an act so that I don't get the persecution from the world, then when the persecution comes, my supposed faith will melt away and my heart will be exposed. I'll judge God for being unfair. This all-powerful God could have done it differently and he didn't. And then I'll blame others in my life for the problems that I have. and I'll turn my back on Jesus and I'll do whatever I can to escape the coming persecution from the world. In contrast, Jesus is saying, there's another way to look at this. There's there's a new normal. Look again what he says. Jesus looks at you in the eyes and he says, your persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out, or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens, give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Christians aren't persecuted today because there is no God. Christians are persecuted today because there is a God. And they're in a world and they're trying to live like God and the world doesn't want anything to do with it and doesn't want anything to do with you. Our persecution for trying to live right is evidence of God in the world. The world just doesn't understand because it refuses to believe Jesus and they do not want to bow the knee. We understand that Jesus is teaching that this is short-term pain for long-term joy. Jesus is teaching that persecution is evidence of genuineness. In fact, some have described it as the believer's certificate of authenticity. Jesus is teaching us that verbal insults, physical attacks, and false accusations are part and parcel in following him. And the reason? Because darkness hates light. Our persecution is a result of us desiring heaven's reward more than earthly rewards. It's interesting the way Jesus does this. The very first beatitude, look again at the screen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Both beatitudes end with a statement about the kingdom of heaven. But notice, Jesus doesn't say that these blessed people (coughs) will be in the kingdom. It says that the kingdom of heaven is theirs the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, those who realize God is everything, and they're completely dependent upon him. And the kingdom of heaven also belongs to those who are persecuted. You could put it together. The God-dependent sufferers own heaven. <laughs> John Chrysostom, a godly leader in the 4th century, preached so strongly against sin that he offended Empress Eudoxia as well as many other church officials. And when summoned before the emperor, Arcadius, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Chrysostom was threatened with banishment if he did not cease his uncompromising message. His response, I've got it on the screen, look at this. This is between him and the emperor. <laughs> Sire? Sire? You cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house. Then I will slay you, Arcadius said. Nay, but you cannot, for my life is hid in Christ with God, came the answer. Your treasures will be confiscated, was the next threat, to which John replied, Sire, that cannot be either. My treasures are in heaven, where none can break through and steal then i will drive you from man and you will have no friends left was the final and desperate warning that you cannot do either answered john for i have a friend in heaven who has said i will never leave you or forsake you and sure enough he did was indeed banished first to armenia and then they were trying to get him to an island in the black sea called piteus and he never arrived and he He died on the way, and some people said, well, (laughs) Chrysostom got what was coming to him on the earth. Yeah, he's right now walking around on real estate that belongs to him. His point was well made. What we value most in Christ can never permanently be taken away by anyone or anything. Every persecution we endure is backed with an infallible promise. Look at the scripture. Yes. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Oh, wondrous day when I shall see the face of him who ransomed me. A fallen worship at his feet and rise to reign eternally in a place that we call home y'all imagine this scenario I I know I'm conjecturing here but we get up there and we're taking heaven in and all of it's wonder and somebody comes up to you and says what is this place and you look out and you say "Well, some people call it heaven but we call it our home you own this Yeah, we kind of do. Well, what about that incredible being on the great white throne? Yeah, he's pretty much ours, too. Fade. Fade each earthly joy. Jesus is mine. Break every tender tie with earth. Jesus is mine. Dark is the wilderness earth has no resting place jesus alone can bless jesus is mine. farewell mortality jesus is mine welcome eternity jesus is mine welcome all loved and blessed welcome sweet scenes of rest welcome my savior's is mine. Father, whatever it takes to open our eyes, to see you, and that nothing on earth can even come close, do whatever it takes. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, church, let's stand.